You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Uh, we've been away for a couple of days and quite a lot of cricket has happened since. So I think it will be a very exciting episode for all of us as we have a lot of cricket to discuss. I'm your host Ajit. My co-host Giri is still enjoying the holiday. Let's get cracking. The first thing we will be discussing is the Ireland and England test. So we had already seen the first day of this game in the previous episode where after uh, two first innings, Ireland led by 122 runs, which could have been very crucial. Uh, on the second day, England started batting and led by uh, Jack Leach, who made 92, the highest score uh, by anybody in this match. They got to 303 all out. So he was very well supported by Jason Roy, who showed us glimpses of what he can do in test match cricket. Even though he was scoring at a strike rate of 92, I think he played a very good innings. Root supported him by scoring uh, 31. And then um, a bit of lower order contributions, folks making 13, Curran 37 and Broad 21, took England to 303. So the contribution of Curran was very, very crucial here because as he did against India in the previous year's uh, Indian tour of England, he always makes a valuable impact, especially when he walked in, the lead was a precarious 140 or so. But he made sure, you know, England hit out a little and took England to a lead of uh, about 180 along with Broad. That was going to be a very challenging score. England were dismissed on the first ball of the third day and uh, Ireland were left to chase 182. But, well, we all remember what happened since. So, Ireland were blown away for 38 by Broad and Wokes, who between them took all 10 wickets. Wokes taking a very deserved 6-4, which is 17 runs, and Broad taking 4 for 19. There was nobody in the Ireland's second innings who put their hands up and came up with any sort of a score. Only Mokolam held a little bit of a small innings. He made 11. But that was nowhere going to be enough. So, all in all, a very disappointing test if you are an Ireland fan. But uh, in the end, the experience of England probably told. And, you know, a lot of credit to Jack Leach. His 92 was, as we already discussed, the highest score in the match. But it was by no means a flawless innings. This was a very, very useful innings. And uh, he was promoted to open because there was a little bit of time left on the end of the first day. And he was basically there to see off six balls. He did that and quite a lot more. He almost batted uh, half a day to, you know, score 92 and make sure even though none of the middle order in England could really score much. Bairstow made another duck and Moin Ali just nine. So probably they missed Ben Stokes and Josh Butler, the England middle order, but that was not an excuse really. Also, it was a very rare test as far as records goes. Quite a lot of records uh, took place. For example, you know, only once in a hundred years had another team come back from being dismissed for under 100 to win a test, for example, which England did. Here. And then both the keepers scored uh, pairs, which has never happened in the history of cricket. Also, considering that it was such a momentous occasion for Ireland playing uh, at the home of cricket and everything, I think they let themselves down a little bit. And uh, they would be really uh, looking back at this innings of 38 with a lot of pain. But I guess as a you know a budding test nation, these sort of innings can come. Uh, it's after all just their third test. So some of these aging stars of the Ireland cricket team may have played their last test. Porterfield uh, and for example even Murter. We don't know. Uh, we don't know if Rankin will continue to be a part of this test setup for Ireland. Whereas uh, England were, uh, I think, uh, to say the least, uh, would have been relieved 
that they were able to win the match and also their bowlers got a good workout no, no doubt broad uh, hit the straps and works was excellent even though he was not taking wickets i think in the first innings works he provided good control and then ollie stone showed a bit of promise on the first afternoon when he got to bowl at uh, irish batsman the way he probably bowled balbirni in the first innings that was very good and uh, he showed some raw pace there and uh, maybe down the seasons maybe there is a chance him and archer and maybe mark wood on a very fast bouncy pitch somewhere in south africa or australia it's what a mouth watering contest that will be it's nice to see you know england had some positives as well sam curran sort of doing his thing and taking england out you know sam curran had a very understated role not only his 37 but his three wickets in the first innings were also going to be very crucial as far as england were concerned so all in all England will be very relieved to have won the match and then they can look forward to the Ashes which starts uh, very shortly with a bit of confidence. Moving on, before we look at, you know, the one day series results, let's take a quick look at the Ashes squads that have been announced. So we know that uh, England have announced their Ashes squad so have Australia and well, uh, unsurprisingly, Jofra Archer makes it into the England Ashes squad and then uh, of course you have Josh Butler coming back and uh, Ben Stokes also comes back but Ben Stokes has also been made the vice captain he's been elevated to the role of vice captain ahead of uh, Josh Butler and that's a very good thing because i think let's say his reintroduction into this team is complete and uh, i think he's one of those people who really thrives on responsibility so uh, giving him more responsibility is clearly shown that uh, he can be a better player given the vice captaincy and so on so this is going to be a very interesting squad Ollie Stone is retained in the squad and uh, so is Joe Denley but it was uh, interesting to see at least jack leach did not make the squad he was the man of the match in the test against ireland but he was not in the 14 that was chosen for the first couple of ashes tests so but with the upcoming tests maybe with the match in oval and other things he may still yet come into the equation also when you look at the england opening lineup so rory burns has been retained and uh, it very much looks like he'll be opening with roy there has been a lot of talk about where root should bat in the last couple of days and finally uh, he's accepted that maybe number 3 is the best position for him that puts jordan lee at number 4 that's a very interesting interesting choice for me because uh, jordan lee has not been able to set the world alight uh, since his reintroduction into the england test squad he's been chosen to bat in the top 3 now batting at number 4 somehow that's the place where usually the best batsman in the team bats i think against jordan lee but it comes as a bit of a surprise that uh, he was retained in the squad if he was not going to play in the top 1 uh, 2 3 positions but maybe ben stokes could have taken the number 5 position as he does in many one dayers i know it's a test match and maybe you might as well be walking into 10 for 2 or 10 for 3 or whatever but nonetheless i see well stokes not only has the temperament but also the technique to go through a stern examination for uh, half an hour or so from some swinging ball So it was a bit of a surprise that Joe Denley will be playing at 4. Probably they feel Ben Stokes and Josh Butler would be batting too high if they were batting at 4 uh, and 5. But I would say given that you have the cushion of somebody like Moeen Ali and then maybe Wokes who will also come in, it, they could have done well to have played uh, Stokes and Butler at 4-5. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting thing how England will play. Also, we have almost certainly heard that uh, Archer will not be playing in the first test. His recovery from injury is not complete, so he'll probably get a chance later on in the series. Jimmy Anderson has been past fit, so he'll be leading the attack. So the old firm of uh, Anderson and Broad are back together. So that's a very good uh, thing for England as well. Well, the England's chances will hinge on how they do with the ball in the first couple of let's say sessions when they bowl. So it's very important that uh, Anderson and Broad put their hands up again, right? When we look at the other side, the Australian 
team that has been chosen as well. So there are not a lot of surprises there. You can expect that Khwaja is back into the 11. And if anything, James Pattison has been chosen to play ahead of uh, probably Mitchell Stark will be the one to miss out because uh, the rest of the squad is pretty much settled. First of all, Cameron Bancroft has made a comeback and he'll open along with David Warner. Usman Khwaja will settle in at 3, Steve Smith at 4. You'll have probably Travis Head at 5. But then if they decide that this is a little bit of a dry sort of a pitch, probably Mitchell Marsh might be preferred ahead of him. But other than that, Matthew Wade looks to be penciled in at number 6. That will leave the skipper Payne at 7. Then you have Pat Cummins and uh, Nathan Lyon. And then of course, James Pattinson. And it looks like it will either be Peter Siddle or Josh Hazelwood. But the, given that his control that he's been showing in the last couple of days, uh, in the last couple of at least practice matches, Peter Siddle might edge Josh Hazelwood out and might get the place in the 11. Looks like a very competitive Australian side. And given the conditions that they will be playing at Edgebaston, there is this Edgebaston factor that everybody discusses. And you know, Edgebaston, the test ground is much different than the one-day ground. And uh, some of the last Ashes tests that have been played at Edgebaston have always been very entertaining. So keeping that in mind, I think uh, it's we are looking for a wonderful, wonderful beginning for Ashes again. Uh, not to mention, this is also the beginning of the World Test Championships. So as a result, both the teams will be raring to go and also make sure that they get a good result to begin the Ashes series. So I hope we can all, you know, get to enjoy some wonderful Test Match cricket in the upcoming weeks with Ashes. And uh, we'll have plenty to discuss about this in the upcoming weeks as well. Now, going forward, if you look at the one-day series results, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh played a three-match ODI series, the last of which was today, the third ODI. So in these three matches, well, uh, Sri Lanka have clean swept Bangladesh. Bangladesh uh, were shown up a little bit. I think uh, they were feeling a bit confident from their performances in the World Cup where they were a bit hot and cold. But uh, Sri Lanka have firmly put them in their place one match eh? because Sri Lanka were playing at home and surprisingly, Sri Lanka had not won a single home bilateral ODI series in 44 months and they fixed that through this result. So in the first ODI, Sri Lanka batted first and made 314 for 8. This was in Colombo and Bangladesh were only able to total 223. In Sri Lankan innings, Kusal Pereira batting at number 3 made a very fast 111 at a strike rate of 110 and then skipper Karnaratna made 36 and then there were steady contributions in the middle order uh, Kusal Mendes made 43, Matthews made 48 and then Tirimanna sort of uh, held one end together towards the end of the innings making 25. They were able to total 314 which was a very competitive score on that pitch and when it comes to Bangladeshi batting it, it's clear they're missing Shakib, the glue that held them together during the World Cup batting at number 3. He has been rested for this series and Mohammad Mithun, who's been given a chance to go at, go in a tree, could not do much. So, Mushfikur Rahim, the old hand, made 67 and then Sabir Rahman showed a bit of fire, making 60. But outside of that, there was not a lot to write home about and it was a comfortable victory for uh, Sri Lanka in the first ODI. In the second ODI, being played again in Colombo, but this time at R. Premadasa. Again, in this case, Bangladesh batted first and they were only able to make 238. So, the... Sri Lankan seamers were very good. So Nuan Pradeep and Isuru, Dana and Kumara were able to really exert some amount of control. And then Dhananjaya de Silva and Akila Dhananjaya. So the two Dhananjayas bowled excellently. And they both uh, considered uh, a similar 39 runs of their 10 overs. But Akila Dhananjaya also was able to take two wickets. When it came to batting, Mushrikur Rahim made an unbeaten 98 of 110, keeping the innings together. And rest of the middle order or the top order did not look to support him. And uh, only Mehdi Hassan, who came in at number 8, made 43 and took Bangladesh to a competitive 238, at least one might say. But Sri Lanka began this chase very comfortably with uh, Avishka Fernando, the exciting youngster, making 82. 
had better than run a ball the captain made 15 but made sure they got to a, a decent start because avishka was hitting out so the first wicket partnership was 71 and then kusal parera made 30 mendes made 41 and angelo matthews an unbeaten 52 to wrap this game up for sri lanka comfortably so that gave them the victory in the series 2-0 with one match to spare the third odi which was played again at uh, the same ground at the premadasa in this game sri lanka batted first and they made a very competitive 294 for it given that some of these matches may have been played on similar pitches the pitch was more wearing and this was going to be a very very competitive score so karuna ratna made 46 and parera 42 mendes and uh, matthews then built on that mendes made 54 and matthews 87 shanaka was given a game and jahan jasuria who also got a game they both made some contributions Uh, Shanaka made 30 so they took Sri Lanka to 294 for 8 chasing this was always going to be tough for a Bangladesh team who were sort of looking uphill because the series was already lost they probably were looking for some good performances from individuals who wanted to you know make make a last say on the tour Tamim Iqbal the skipper again failed Soumya Sarkar who was batting at 3 made 69 and nobody really supported him until Taijul Islam batting at 9 made 39 so Rahim had a failure which was going to happen at some point in time and uh, nobody else really counted themselves come good and bangladesh was all out for 172 that meant uh, you know this is another uh, loss a comfortable loss shanaka made also a good all round show as he took three wickets as well with the ball and then vanidu hasaranga was playing uh, took one wicket and uh, kumara took two wickets so all in all it was a good thorough team performance for sri lanka and angelo matthews was voted both the man of the match and the man of the series so a good comeback for the veteran from sri lanka who had a middling sort of a world cup and he'll be very happy to do this uh, at home so considering this was a farewell tournament for uh, lasit malinga sri lanka will be very happy to have won that comfortably so now if we were to look at the t20 leg of the series um, there have been two uh, t20s that happened Uh, the uh, women's ashes t20s that i'm talking about so in this case both these matches were comfortably won by australia in the first of two matches australia batted first and made a very very challenging 226 for 3 this was the this was a very high score meg lanning made 133 of just 63 balls and well i could not catch this match but i've heard and i have read that this was probably one of the most complete limited over innings played by anybody because meg lanning has been one of the better batters out there among all cricketers and she showed that once again when she made 133 of just 63 balls and hit 17 fours and seven sixes this score is going to be a very tough one for england to chase and they could not make it and they only were able to total 133 for nine uh, with some solid contributions in the middle order but uh, not a lot to write home about the second t20 was again one comfortably by australia in this match england batted first so they made only 121 for eight so tammy bomond made 43 but nothing much else from anybody else in the top order that meant australia were going to only look to chase a little bit more than run a ball and they did that comfortably with meglanning again making 43 not out and elise perry coming in and making 47 not out so therefore uh, this was a complete uh, one sided game again this meant you know australia not only took the ashes but took it also based on points and all the three series all the three types of cricket played they have won all the three so this is a completely one sided ashes as far as uh, england are concerned unfortunately because uh, now with the last uh, t20 remaining which will begin shortly i think they'll be really looking to salvage a bit of pride and see if they can win that match otherwise it'll be a clean sweep of the ashes which they'll not want let's see how that one goes in the upcoming couple of hours these were all the cricket that happened now if you were to look at some of the news from outside of the cricket field there have been a couple of retirements that we can quickly look at so kulashekara the sri lankan fast bowler 
who you know sort of uh, was a mainstay you can say in the limited off squads between 2008 2007 2008 to 2015 has retired from international cricket so he was the third highest odi wicket taker for uh, sri lanka with 199 wickets and then i was also the joint uh, second highest wicket taker for sri lanka in t20s with 66 wickets he also represented sri lanka in 21 tests and took 48 wickets there so he had a couple of really nice moments for example his performance in the 2014 world cup final against india also i think he played every icc tournament final that sri lanka played in between 2007 and 2014 so he'll have a lot of interesting stories to tell he stayed in the background behind somebody like muralidharan or vas or even Malinga, but he was nonetheless a very important cog in the Sri Lankan lineup. So he has retired from international cricket. So we wish him all the best for his future endeavors. The other notable retiree is Muhammad Amir, but not from all cricket, but from white clothing cricket, that is Test cricket. So Muhammad Amir retires from Test cricket on the 26th of July, and he has taken 119 wickets in 36 matches at an average of 30.47. It does look like a little bit of a underwhelming end to a career, but you know this guy. was very unlucky in his second coming in test cricket specifically i read somewhere that 35% of all the chances he generated were either dropped or missed by the fielders of the pakistani team that's a fantastic sort of a stat to tell you how effective he could have been had all his chances been taken in the second coming at least so when you look at his split before and after there was not a lot of difference in his average or number of wickets taken and so on so you could say he was as good as he was before maybe he was if anything a bit hype when he was playing before simply because how young he was and what he could have become but having lost 5 years he came back and showed that uh, he still had the hunger and also he had the skill to succeed at the highest level test cricket but it looks like he's decided to call time on his test career at the age of 27 but we do read that there may be some other motivation for this his wife we read is english and you know his heart may be set on finishing his career maybe playing more in england we hear that he may actually apply for a british passport and maybe may look to get a county contract at a later time in his career so but we still think he has 3 to 4 years left in pakistani green clothing so we wish him all the best for the limited overs internationals and also maybe for the rest of his career going onwards some of the other international news that we get to hear this week is well jonty rhodes has expressed an interest in india fielding coaching role so Uh, we know that uh, the doors have been opened and quite a lot of discussion is ongoing as to who will be the uh, new indian uh, coaching staff and the supporting staff for them so chonty roads has expressed uh, an interest in the fielding coach position but we also know that head coach position which is probably going to be a bit more hotly contested than most people can imagine because uh, captain kohli has thrown his weight behind shastri getting another tenure but there are some heavy weights that uh, kohli will probably you know also want to consider because Uh, Shastri has done a decent job in his time in his second coming as the Indian national coach but if you were to consider the field we hear that uh, Tom Moody has applied so has Mahela Jayawardena and then uh, Mike Hessen the former New Zealand coach uh, Robin Singh has shown an interest and so has Lal Chand Rajput so th- th- those are some very weighty names therefore it's going to be interesting which way the BCCI CCC the cricket administrative committee chooses to you know whether they appoint shastri for another tenure or somebody new might be given the choice uh, to lead the indian uh, men's team forward it's going to be a very interesting uh, decision we expect the decision will come through sometime around 15th of august so let's wait and watch which uh, person might get to be the next indian uh, men's head coach right so another s- somewhat shocking news is that prithvi shaw has been suspended until 15th november So this is a very promising young cricketer we all know that you know uh, he's he's been compared to the uh, 
Sehwag or the next Tendulkar. A lot of big names have been thrown as uh, comparisons for this young guy, but it looks like he's fallen afoul of some uh, doping uh, rules. As a result, uh, there is a doping sanction of up until number 14th. So this will mean that he'll also be missing some home tests, specifically the South Africa tour in October as well as uh, Bangladesh uh, test series, at least the first test we know. So when they collected a urine sample from him um, in the Syed Mushtaq Ali trophy that was ongoing in uh, February, uh, it looks like uh, his sample was tested positive. We don't know exactly when the sample was tested positive, whether there was a B sample and so on. Uh, but all we know is PCCI have given him a suspended sentence and at least he will not be eligible for selection until number 15th. That means, uh, yeah, it might be a bit of a bit of a blow, but I think he'll come back stronger. Given that he was also facing time out of the game because of uh, all the injuries, it looks like maybe he can use the time well and uh, become stronger, if anything. And it has come to notice that this was actually ingested by accident or through some innocent means. As a result, his uh, sanction has not been very hard and uh, he's got a small suspended sentence. So we wish him all the best and we hope, you know, these small things don't impede the rest of his career. He has a very promising career ahead of him. He's a very young man and he still has a long and uh, possibly a good career ahead of him. So uh, the West Indian selectors have also chosen the ODI squad that uh, will face India in the tour that will begin on 1st of August. So in this case, it looks like Gale has been chosen back in the squad. Well, when somebody like Gale says he wants to play, it will take a very brave uh, select, uh, selection committee indeed to probably deny a chance, considering uh, that uh, the experience he brings and also the uh, threat he always poses to opposition right at the top of the order. So he has been chosen along with John Campbell, who plays tests and Roston Chase has also been chosen. Kimo Paul has been given a chance. So this means number of players who played in the World Cup will probably miss out Sunil Ambrose, Darren Bravo misses out, Ospina Rashley Nurse has been left out and Shannon Gabriel also has been left out. So Andre Russell, who sort of uh, also missed due to an injury, has not yet been included because uh, he's, he's not uh, deemed sufficiently recovered from his injuries to play 50-hour cricket yet. So this is an interesting team and uh, we hope it's going to be a very keenly contested uh, ODI series versus India. So a lot to look forward to there. Going forward, ICC has uh, issued a stern warning to Zimbabwe and a deadline of October 8th has been set by which ICC expects uh, to unconditionally reinstate the governing body that was democratically chosen by Zimbabwe cricket. There is a bit of seesaw going on between ICC and Zimbabwe cricket and we really hope this sort of settles in favour of Zimbabwe cricket simply because we all want to see Zimbabweans play and we don't want to see the professional cricketers who have chosen to make a living out of cricket in Zimbabwe really suffer because the men's team have actually offered to play for free if they are given permission to do so and maybe wait for some back pay if that's how it can be done because they have a bunch of T20 qualifiers coming up and also some other tournaments which they would miss even if they were to wait until October. So uh, we'll keep an eye on this new story and we hope this resolves for the best as far as the players and cricket in Zimbabwe is concerned. Going further, the LUMS University, the Lahore University of Management Sciences, has been accredited as a biomechanical test center for bowling actions. So this is a very good development and that means this becomes the second testing center in Asia outside of uh, the one in Chennai. So more players can get themselves tested here in Asia rather than going to somewhere in London or somewhere in South Africa. So it's a very good thing. Another interesting news that we came to hear is that the global T20 match in Canada one of these matches had to be delayed by a couple of hours because there was a hoax threat of a bomb 
there was a package left unclaimed and uh, as a result uh, some security precautions had to be taken some bomb sniffing dogs had to be brought in and police had to perform their checks before the suspicious package was considered to be harmless but nonetheless some time was lost and that specific match which was between montreal tigers and winnipeg hawks had to be reduced to 12 overs each which uh, we hear the montreal tigers have won by 24 runs now if you were to look at the trivia section the trivia question from the previous episode was how many ashes series have been drawn so far so as always our keen listener yogesh has got the answer right there have been five ashes series drawn so far so if you look at the number of series that have actually been played considering that there have been 70 ashes series played there have been just five series drawn so that means you can imagine every series has been a very keenly contested one and always you know there has been a result or many of the times there has been a result so that also means you know when the upcoming series as well we may expect that this might not be a draw even though strengths of both the teams are quite close it's going to be a closely contested series and we expect maybe we'll get a result there if you were to look at the results overall there have been 35 series in australia and 35 series in england and interestingly of the series in australia 19 have been won by australia and 14 by england and of the series in england again 35 14 have been won by australia but england have won 18 so interestingly in a head to head you can see australia is actually one ahead of england in the total number of wins in ashes so maybe england will want to settle the score in the very upcoming ashes so let's see how that goes if you were to look at the trivia question from this episode as we were always discussing quite a lot of uh, records were established in the test between ireland and england that finished so the question for this week is when was the last time two bowlers bowled out an entire completed test innings we know that the fourth innings of the game ireland versus england was just completed by broad and wokes when was the previous such instance is the question do write in to us if you know the answer or maybe you've looked up the answer you could write in to us at amchek.gmail.com you could contact us on social media for example twitter at amchekrickpod or facebook using our facebook page you could also leave a comment on any podcasting app you might listen to us podbean apple podcasts also a cast also we are on stitcher if you are listening to us there so do leave a comment there if all in all we would be very happy to receive your answers and your feedback also if you were to leave a five star feedback for us we would be really appreciating that as we have discussed quite a lot of cricket coming up so i hope all of us are able to discuss this going further and you are all tuned in and able to participate with your comments i wish you a very good day and thanks for staying tuned in goodbye from me and take care bye bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.